Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing three equities as we do listed here in the UK. And we're joined very kindly by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Hi, Jonathan. Good to be back. So we, as I mentioned, there have three equities that we're going to be discussing later on in the podcast. But we're going to start off with a number of stories and themes that are particularly prevalent in the market at this point in time. Uh, And the first of those that we're going to look at is the story of GameStop. Now, if anybody's been following this, they'll be aware that this company is very similar to the UK-based company Game in that it's a bricks-and-mortar games retailer. It buys and resells. Um, second-hand games as, as well as new games. So, of course, this has been a business which has been in decline for some years. If you look at what, what's the share price of uh, uh, the company going back some years, that that's very evident. And, of course, if you've been following the story of game here, you'll be able to see how they've been reducing their exposure to the market as people uh, use alternative options such as Amazon and various other online retailers. However, this stock is really presenting, I I feel, at this point in time, the overall market's approach to companies, to um, equities, and and really um, highlights maybe some complacency or or even euphoria that we're seeing out there, um, and is evident particularly in, in valuations. I mean, just to put this into perspective, if we're looking at uh, a GameStop, this is a company that was trading at just $4 a year ago. When we look uh, just to, you know, barely barely two weeks ago now, it was trading at $20. As of yesterday, it was trading at $147. And in the US pre-market at this point in time, we're looking at a price um, over double that of around $320. So, Alan, this is quite clearly... A ludicrous move in this in this company. It's been fueled by some extent by uh, by a tweet from Elon Musk, which has caused a frenzy um, within within this uh, company. When you're looking at something like this, Alan, I mean, how worrying is this to you? Um, in in two respects, really. I mean, firstly. This is one that's been sort of pumped up in, in Reddit chat rooms, very similar to the bulletin boards that we have here in the in the UK. A lot of hedge funds have been shorting this this stock. But also, I mean, is it worrying to you from the perspective that this just represents a bubble among many other bubbles that could be out there at the moment? Uh, very good point, Jonathan. And it's, uh, it's a fascinating story. Um, and I think it's... Uh, it's a reflection of the way the markets are changing, the momentum within the markets, and also um, the empowerment, if you like, of the retail investor. You know, this is this is quite a story. I mean, as you said, it's it's set to open up. Was it three hundred forty eight dollars in pre market, which is staggering. Um, now, uh, currently, uh, I think seventy about seventy two million 
uh, GameStop shares are shorted. So that's worth about 4.6 billion. Um, year to date, those bets have cost investors about $6 billion. And, it, and that includes a, a nearly $3 billion loss yesterday. So um, most of the short most of the shorting uh, activity is taking place with the institutions. Um, and as you pointed out, this it's a battle here with retail investors. Um, we've got retail investors in chat rooms. Clearly, Elon Musk's tweet um, has has fueled uh, has fueled the uh, the appetite for this for the stock. Um, and in fact, I was talking with a friend of mine um, over the weekend. His son um, his son has also taken the view too. And clearly, uh, you know, if he's still in, he's uh, he's set for a very good week. So th- that's great news. But I think it it also embodies the power of uh retail investors acting together in the markets today which is a great thing and it's um you know that's uh that if you like is um you know the the, the wonders of a, a, a capitalist society at work you know if people are able to they can trade and they can make money and they can go against the institutions too but of course the market needs institutions so um there are some interesting lessons to be learned from this and <laughs> ironically for myself I'm invested into Fidelity Global Technology. And um, I noted in a newspaper article that apparently GameStop shares have been most actively traded by Fidelity customer, by customers of Fidelity. Um, uh, buy numbers have been out, outnumbering sell orders by four to one. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the traders are holders of, of Fidelity investments. So that's, that's a really interesting statistic. Um, and from my standpoint it makes me smart because i have stock in the fidelity or i hold stock in the fidelity global technology fund but um but i think uh the, the underlying fundamentals here tell their own story um it is it's a chain of, of gaming stores um and whilst there is is demand there clearly with everything being online now and retailing going through amazon um perhaps there's uh perhaps there's an aspect that's um being under development by the business that we don't know about yet. But um, I, the, the most telling thing, of course, will be if uh, directors of GameStop start to offload shares and take profits at, at this level. Indeed, indeed. So I mean, th- th- this is uh, a, a really standout story. You don't see this very often. But what what's interesting for me with it is, is it comes at a time where we're looking at the wider tech sector and ludicrous or what was perceived to be as ludicrous valuations 10 years ago are starting to become the norm. They, they become the, the norm in, in tech stocks for, for some time. And um, there's always the, the question being raised of, are these valuations sustainable? Now, we have a number of uh, tech companies reporting this week. We had Microsoft last week, sorry, last night, that released a revenue growth of 17% in the last quarter. This evening, after the bell in the United States, we have Facebook and uh, and Apple. Now, they're expected to be posting quite significant increases on uh, the earnings per share. Facebook's expected to be uh, having an earnings per share of $3.16, and that's versus $2.56 last time. Um, Apple is expected to have an earnings per share of $1.41, and that's versus 
$1.25 last time. Now, this is all based around the, the tech stocks becoming more of a staple company and people working from home. They're using technology a lot more. They're spending a lot more on technology. With these companies, though, we're still looking at fairly high valuations, Alan. I mean, is this something that you think is going to persist beyond COVID? Or, or do you still think that these companies are being bought into because they're seen to some extent a, as a hedge against the COVID um, fallout in, in the wider economy? That that could be partly the case, uh, Jonathan, for sure. But, but um, I think, of course, um, in Facebook and Apple and, of course, Microsoft, you've got bellwethers, not only the technology market, but of the stock market in general. I mean, at, Apple is 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 enormous, and um, how goes Apple goes the goes the US to some extent. It, it, it's an enormous company, um, but nonetheless, um, the, as you as you pointed out, during lockdown, we've we've had to we've been forced into using technology uh, more, and as they the old saying goes, necessity is the mother of, of invention. So, of course, what this does, what what uh, rev, revenue growth does, it provides more cash. And resources for those companies. So, whilst you might Im- imagine that Apple and and Facebook are sailing down a particular path, they now have additional cash resources to explore new ways of developing revenue streams and, and new ways of monetizing their position in the market. So, um, the that that's the thing with, with technology stocks. I think uh, they will continue to underpin growth as we go forward. Um, AI, of course, is a huge area. Um, the companies are uh, um, engaged and involved in that to greater or lesser degree. Of course, Google is very much at the forefront of that in, in, in regard to AI. But I, th- I think there's, I think we're on the cusp of some major technological developments going forward in the AI space. And um, as technology majors, I'm sure both Apple, well, Microsoft, of course, included, but both Apple and Facebook will be very much uh, involved in that process. So I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. I, I think there's, um, I think uh, there's there's growth to spare in in, in some some regards. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, GameStop perhaps is a little ridiculous, but uh, we may well see why there may be will be some solid fundamental fundamental reasons underpinning that growth, and uh, it'll be inter- interesting to see what this week reveals. So yes, I mean when I was looking through the the, the figures of, of various tech stocks, so yeah, of course most of them are listed over in the United States, um, and th- and there was one that really jumped out at me as being one that is a significant beneficiary of COVID nineteen and the lifestyles that we've all had to adopt because of that, and that's Peloton. Now I know that you're a keen cyclist, Alan, so I'm really interested to hear your your views on it. I'm looking at the company. It's got a 43 billion market cap. In the very last quarter, it reported net income of 69 million. If you annualise that, very um, rough calculations, you could be looking at uh, at a profit there of around 280 million. I'm sure they're going to make more than that as as they grow. But taking those last figures, annualising them, you're looking at a, a price to earnings in the region of 150 times. Is this a, a company that you feel has been bought into by its customers due to COVID-19 and, and by uh, investors uh, because of COVID-19? And, and is this a situation that you think um, 
to some extent, like the the Facebook and Apple, they, they've had that that influx of uh, of new activity. Of course, we can see Facebook and Apple. Um, they were very popular before COVID nineteen, and I'm sure they will be afterwards. But do you think with with a company like Peloton, for example, is is this something that, that investors could be expecting further growth from going forward? I mean, do you really see people rushing home from work when we go back to the offices to jump on their Peloton bike? Or do you think well, people will start to think, well, actually, I can go to the gym now um, after work, and, and we'll start to see subscription growth slow there. I think well, I think the Peloton idea is great. I mean, considering it was founded in two thousand twelve and it was launched with a Kickstarter, a Kickstarter funding campaign, crowdfunding. You know, that's a, a fantastic return for those seed investors. And of course, you know, with the uh, with the current valuation of, of the company, uh, you know, some ridiculous level at um, 42, 43 billion, I think it is now, which is astonishing. But um, nonetheless, I mean, this is something that um, uh, people in lockdown have aspired to using because, of course, the app's ideal for uh, for um, exercises involved um, around cycling activities and everything else. But there are so many potential applications. And again, to go back to the point I made about Facebook, Apple and Microsoft, um, their huge cash resources that have been generated from this have given them the resource to rapidly develop other new revenue streams and other potential areas of growth. So, um, uh, and that could include uh, you know, you mentioned going to the gym. Um, they, you know, that could well involve buying gym chains or um, or uh, having. You know, it, it, there are all sorts all sorts of ways that they can monetize this, and of course, with their own brand bikes and everything else. So, I, I, I don't, I, I don't have any doubt. It'll be more challenging, of course, to grow the company once we're out of lockdown. But um, but uh, the the company has the resources to do it. So, whilst we might see. The rate of growth slowed down, and the uh, but yeah, and and also the, uh, the the long-term share price performance slow. I think we've already seen, um, uh, you know, we, we we've seen sort of uh, uh, a little bit of a fallback from the recent highs, and uh, probably the shares will consolidate um, until until the company then unveils its uh, strategy going forward. But um, long term, I still think Peloton will make a great uh, investment. Indeed, indeed. That's going to be a very interesting one to to watch and, and how their growth progresses going forward. Now, just before we move on to the, the three UK equities, I just want to touch very briefly on what the, all this could mean for, for UK stocks, Alan. So when I was looking through this and going through the exercise, I mean, the, the only company that really stood out to me that, that's listed here in London that could be classed as one of these tech companies that's looking a little bit frothy in terms of valuation is, is Just Eat. Um, they've been involved and engaged in quite a level of M&A recently. But I've just been looking at the the figures. Um, they're, they're yet to make a, a net profit. They have a valuation of uh, 1.7 billion. And that's on a, on a revenue, that's that's in pounds. And that's on a, on a revenue of euros, um, 2.4 billion. However, they have very high operating costs, which seems to be growing incrementally with their um, their, their top line there. So it's, it's difficult to see how this uh, this makes a profit and justifies its, its valuations. It's, it's set to be giving out some uh, further guidance in, in the coming weeks. So this is one that I think we're going to come back to later in a further podcast 
um, Alan. But mm. this is the, really the only company that, that stands out for me in UK markets because UK markets, to some extent, don't have these tech stocks with or, or any stocks really with, with very high valuations uh, based on very little earnings. So that it does present itself as, to some extent, a, a value market if we're looking at the FTSE 100. There's a lot of talk at the moment between this shift from, from growth. People have been buying into to companies such as Just Eat, Peloton, Facebook, Apple, um, because of their growth and that they've been paying very high valuations to it. But there, there is a school of thought coming through now that these are getting a bit frothy, as we've just touched on now. And people are going to be sort of looking at value. Do you, I mean, do you think this could be something that sees the FTSE 100 outperform versus its US US counterparts over the next few months going into to 2021? Uh, yeah, that could well be the case, Jonathan. And I, and I think uh, many 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 investors would agree that the the FTSE does look very fairly valued at the moment, uh, certainly in comparison to 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 the US markets, but. But then again, um, U.S. investors do value stocks differently. We've spoken before about companies that are dual listed in the U.K. and on the Nasdaq, and uh, uh, and technology stocks on the Nasdaq have a high, far are attributed a far higher rating than those listed on AIM. And um, you know we've seen with some of the the micro caps here. Um, you know, Myriad is a good case in point, um, uh, listed on the OTC market in the. US last October and the share price jumped on AIM from about 20p to about 35p and it's gone up ever since that point. So so it, 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 that's there are numerous examples of that. And um, But um, uh, does it mean that the FTSE will catch up? Um, historically, we've always been in a similar position. You know, the, the US markets have been more weighted towards technology. So... Um, so um, one, whilst I would like to think the FTSE is fairly valued, uh, its historical performance won't necessarily indicate that it will suddenly catch up and make up that ground. I think that there's still a case for the FTSE to move back above 7,000 as we come out of lockdown, certainly. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, Just Eat might look a little isolated out there by itself with that valuation. And um uh, if there are any disappointment in earnings or in terms of its financial performance, I think it'll be quite severely punished by investors. Indeed, and I think that's one that we're going to revisit because it, it, it does stand out to me as one of these companies in the UK which could fall within being um, tech. So it's going to be interesting how they uh, perform going forward. Now, we're going to move on now, Alan, to the, the three equities that we're going to be discussing today listed here in the UK. Now, this this first one I, I do like purely because of the, the fundal fundamentals behind it. I, uh, I I live in East London, walking around the parks here during uh, lockdown. It's very evident uh, the number of puppies. Um, I mean, this is something that's been going on uh, ever since we, we went into the first lockdown March, April last year. It seems that everybody's um, been getting themselves a companion um, for the, the lockdown. And the company that we're going to look at first of all, um, CVS Group, they posted a 6.3% increase in revenue for the four months to 31st of October. Um, so, of course, they're, they're benefiting from this trend. But what's, uh, what's been happening there, Alan? 
Well, this is an interesting one, Jonathan. And uh, uh, I mean, we, we were talking about this last year and uh, I think I first started uh, looking at the company's investment um, around the start of lockdown last year. <laughs> and I was interested to note uh, today that Hargreaves Lansdowne have provided a series of share tips. And this is uh, this is the, the top of their list. Um, that, uh, so, so the fact they picked it out now is really interesting because they still see uh, ongoing growth to come there, uh, which actually I quite agree with. But um, if you look at where the share price was uh, on that fated day in March last year, the shares were trading at £7. Here we are today, £15, um, and gives giving a valuation of just over a billion. But CVS Group, I think, have got an absolutely sound business model. And like you, down here in Seaford on the south coast, where we take our dogs for a walk. There are so many people now, so many more people now with puppies, with pets. Um, and of course, um, proportionately, the cost of those pets, certainly in, you know, when I, I think when we bought uh, our two, the uh, pet, they, they were about £400 each. Now you're going to pay £1,000, £1,200 for a puppy, uh, a pedigree puppy, and uh, and even a rescue dog is, is going to cost you um, an awful lot of money too. Um, so CVS Group, um, it's the largest integrated veterinary services provider in the UK. They own a chain of vet surgeries and practices up and down the country. They also have their own diagnostic labs. Uh, they've got um, uh, Animed Direct, which is uh, an e- uh, um, their e-commerce hub where they're seeing really strong growth. Um, they've got a vet club that's partnerships with independent vets and also even pet crematoria up and down the country, seven of them in, in total. Um as you as you pointed out, Jonathan, in their training update, um, sales had grown six point three percent in the four months um, in, in, in the four months uh, um, up, up to October thirty first. Um, EBITDA margin also grew nearly nineteen percent, um, and uh, the company is also paying down its debt pile too. And of course, it's uh, it's uh, accumulated debt through some of the early acquisitions that it made, but it's reduced its debt pile to forty million. Um, and also completed f- three further acquisitions in Oxford, Devon, and Milton Keynes. And the company said on uh, uh, the trading update, uh, November 26th, that current trading was ahead of last year. All of its practices uh, were open, um, and uh, it was very positive in terms of its outlook for 2021. They also appointed um, uh, a, a gentleman called Enrico Tizano uh, as the chief technolo- chief technology officer, to develop their data and technology offerings, so they're seeing they're obviously seeing strong growth in e-commerce. So they they will continue to develop that. But um, I mean, shares are close to year highs now. Uh, Fifteen pounds eighty four is the year high from uh, from from that low I I mentioned just now uh, in March last year, um, and uh, currently trading just below that. But um, given the rate of growth, uh, and I think as you said, Jonathan, you know, you know the the that's the growth in pet ownership is evident as you travel around. Of course, with that, you've got all of the associated services that come with it, not only veterinary surgeries, uh, but also but also uh, pet stores, pets R us and pet shops springing up here, there, there and everywhere. And um, that's showing no signs of, of slowing down. And uh, um, uh, certainly the associated, the, the associated costs with only a pet are much higher. Um, I know with, we have pet insurance for our two dogs, and uh, both of them at various points have had operations. Um, but even so, the premiums we're paying now are far, far higher than they were a few years ago. So everything associated with that is rising in price. And of course, that 
is equaling more profit for the companies at the core of it. And I don't think there's any, if you were going to invest in this sector, I don't think there's any better company that really is in a position to take advantage of that growth than CVS Group. Yes, I mean, what what I do like about this company, Alan, is is it's got a growing customer base as, as more and more people buy pets. That's obviously one one good thing, but really the the model of of reoccurring revenue makes it particularly strong. So those two factors at play um, make this quite uh, an attractive business model. So uh, one that I do expect uh, further growth from, and it's going to be interesting um, to see how that uh, that plays out in 2021. So moving on now, we're going to be looking at Katanai Innovation, one that we have discussed on the on the podcast previously, but they've got quite a significant update uh, on, on some news this morning. Um, how have things been going there, Alan? Okay, so Katanai Innovation, a microcap company, they have a valuation of just under 5 million currently. Um, so they are a, a company that are developing a series of technologies based around around blockchain, and um, they have uh, the, the the company have a number of applications uh, that uh, are are used in leisure, um, uh, where they where, where using blockchain they create a, a series of immutable records. Um, they have so they provide services to uh, leisure centres, football clubs. Um, they also have a commercial sector where they where they, where they offer or use blockchain technology in in in, in commerce, uh, for example, insurance. They have a contract uh, um, with a company that uh, that logs uh, activities on fire doors in buildings, and uh, that's 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 uh, one example. But I think the Catanizer company exploded into life with the development of a GDPR compliant ID document exchange um, to record. Uh, uh, the health, uh, uh, individual health status around COVID, um, and and of course around uh, around uh, uh, returning to work. Um, now the company, um, the company uh, is is run by Guy Meyer, who is the uh, uh, the chief executive of the company, um, and one of the major shareholders is uh, is a gentleman called Brian Thompson, um, who founded an insurance company, technology company in up in uh, in Newcastle. Um, and through the as the company developed uh, the the uh, the COVID um, app, it was tested at various places. One of those places was the Newcastle Newcastle Premier Health, and the trial was incredibly successful. Um, I should say at this point that the the app was developed in conjunction with um, with a company called Zedian Group, um, and Zedian Group is uh, the chairman. There is a chap called um, Michael Manelli, Professor Michael Manelli. Um, who is very well regarded in the technology world? Um, a huge number of qualifications in his own right. He founded the first digital map of the world. He's worked uh, in the defence industry for uh, Deer, that sort of kinetic, um, and uh, also has worked at global financial centres uh, in London. And um, incidentally, on the way, uh, was also the sheriff of City of London. So. Um, a lot of brain power behind developing uh, this technology, um, and then and today the company has announced that it's raised a further million pounds um, in a placing uh, at two p. Shares are currently trading at uh, just above two p, two point two p. It's it's uh, placed fifty million new shares, 
um, and also taking care of some outstanding liabilities. Uh, director, several of the directors haven't taken uh, payment remuneration for the company, so they've converted that uh, that outstanding um, the, the money's owed into shares in the company, which is always very encouraging. Um, the so the the company also provided a business update too, um, and said that the COVID app was feeding results into the NHS uh, test and trace uh, system, which has come under come up for some flag, I think, uh, in terms of its uh, usability. But but nonetheless, um, CAD and I are continuing to work and develop that. Um, it's also implemented the app across a number of pharmacies across the UK. It's been used in events. Uh, it's been used by a major mobile operator in the UK and also at badminton. And the app was awarded the ISO 27001 um, and Cyber Essentials accreditations um, uh, at the end of the year too. Um, Guy Maher said that um, the uh, the uh, uh, funds raised today will accelerate uh, Sinovate Global, that's the joint venture, and of course Cat and I's own products in leisure and and uh, and uh, commerce, uh, as I've as I've already um, already outlined. So um, great year in prospect for the group. They're well funded to continue. Um, their um, activities and um, it's a micro cap but um, we all know uh, that the potential blockchain blockchain offers in terms of its uh, security in terms of its uh, uh, immutable record keeping and um, I think this is one company that's very well placed to um, to to develop and take advantage of the relationships it has in 2021. Indeed indeed so I mean we, we, with this company and then of course, there's a big focus on COVID nineteen. With the vaccine um, being rolled out, there, there, there is you know a potential time limit on some of these um, products. So, I mean, is this something that could, that could be applied for for something else afterwards? And and sort of how much is, is the focus on uh, this particular COVID nineteen, and and how can they pivot into something else as we progress past that? Well, I think the uh, where this works, uh, it, it's it's in a back to work environment, and, and of course, as we know, uh, with the mutations from COVID, uh, COVID isn't going to go away. I think every year we're going to have uh, uh, different mutations of the virus, but of course, we now have the vaccines in place. So, um, what and what uh, COVID, what the app does, it stores the data um, it, uh, securely, and it um, and using blockchain, it uh, provides immutable proof of that individual status so um, when it comes to travel when it comes to going back to work um, in all those areas um, I think as we go forward uh, it's the onus will be on the individual to prove their status before maybe they get on a plane before maybe they go into an office or and so on and this is where the application will sit um, and of course uh, being an app it's uh, it's a mobile phone based so um, so I think there uh, I think in terms of of uh, health going forward, there's a huge application for it. Uh, you know, COVID, just because we have the vaccines doesn't mean that COVID is going away. And of course, um, they can be applied into into other areas too. Um, so um, th- there are multiple applications, and the the group are working on numerous joint ventures with Sinovate. So um, well, I expect we'll I fully expect we'll hear some news on that in the in the coming weeks. Yes, a very interesting piece of IP the the company has. So as you said. Um, going to be watching updates with uh, great interest there. So the last company we've got today, Alan, is a resource company, uh, Echo Energy. What's uh, What's been happening there? 
Well, this is uh, so. Of course, we all know what the macro picture is for for oil and uh, um, and uh, the, the fact that um, uh, you know uh, vehicle manufacturers are being encouraged and are going electric. But nonetheless, there is still huge demand for oil and gas. It drives it drives the planet uh, on, on on every level. Um, and there are, whilst we the oil majors are, are are pretty much known entities in that regard, there are lots of smaller companies out there exploring assets and developing assets and uh, farming into producing assets. Um, Echo Energy, um, um, the uh, epic code is Echo E C H O. Um, traders shares have been as high as two point three p on the year and as low as zero point one eight p. Currently trading at point, just under 0.7p, um, giving a market cap of uh, just over 8 million. Um, so a lot of developments have taken place with the, with the group over the past few weeks. Uh, I, I'll just basically outline outline what the company is about uh, to, to start with before I go into those. Um, so it's South America focused in primarily Argentina uh, for its producing assets and then Bolivia for um, its... Uh, um, exploration and development um, in Argentina. It has in in, in the south, it, 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 uh, right down the south. It has uh, in the Santa Cruz Sur region um, a number of producing gas fields, um, uh, which Echo owns seventy percent of, and Roche, the operator, that's RSCH, not with an E. Um, RSCH owns the remaining thirty percent. Has producing gas fields at. Uh, at uh, Chirillus, Canberra Bremen and Oceana um, and oil and gas at Moyaiki and uh, and also at uh, Paloma Aiki. Um, so that the there is a uh, um, there is a uh, there's a port at Punta Loyola where the gas where the oil is exported from and also there's a major uh, gas trunk line that runs down uh, through Argentina uh, through the region uh, called the San Martin trunk line and and gas is uh, gas that is produced is pumped into that. Um, reservoirs, uh, the oil res- reserves in the Santa Cruz uh, across the across the asset is estimated to be as high as just under fourteen million barrels of oil. Um, uh, and and um, and the, the there are a series of, of of gas projects which are under review uh, to be redeveloped this year. In Bolivia, there, there are two areas. There's the Huayca and Rio Salado. Um, uh, region um, which uh, where where the company are, are reprocessing historical seismic data um, and looking um, and looking to um, redevelop uh, a, a gas exports from there um, again there are uh, there are processing facilities nearby to enable the company to do that but um, most notable um, there is a technical evaluation agreement with GTLI international um, which will uh, which will enable uh, the company to uh, to um, fully assess the fully assess the region um, and uh, um, execute energy sector transactions going forward into this year. So so that's the that's the status of the company. Um, in uh, in September, the company announced that uh, first uh, set of first half results showed revenue increase to. Five and a half million dollars from two point seven million dollars previously, um, and the company said at that stage uh, there were a with the wide portfolio in Santa Cruz. Uh, um, there was there was a a, a a large 
number of low cost workovers to boost production and reserves um, uh, in the region. Um, and at that point, the company was uh, undergoing a, a, a cost saving drive. Um, in uh, in uh, December, the company announced um, uh, uh, the production was continuing in line. It also said at that point it had $655,000 cash, both in the UK and Argentina. And um, some historical uh, uh, debt the company carried um, was being restructured. Um, five million note with Lombard ODA uh, was restructured to mature in April 2025 with no further cash interest payments. Um, and also the, a large 20 million 8% secured note. Uh, the company is in active discussions to uh, defer that to 2025 um, uh, also. So that removes the immediate challenge the company faces in terms of meeting this debt, um, uh, giving it time and space to develop the assets. And obviously we saw a, a, a consequential increase in the share price on the back of that. But there was further further good news on the back of that. At that point, the company raised a further 700000 at 0.3p for working capital. Um, it then announced the following day that the um, the VAT status of its uh, subsidiary in Argentina um, had changed and uh, its subsidiary was no longer required to pay VAT on domestic income. And as a result, it, it's in the process of reclaiming one and a half million dollars. So clearly that um, that has also um, added uh, added further impetus. Um, at the end of December, well, actually just before Christmas, the company uh, on the back of the uh, increase in interest from investors, raised a further 856,000 um, sterling at 0.5p. Um, and clearly that means the company is now well-funded for its activities this year. Um, and also on the back of that, uh, uh, during the month, um, we saw um, several uh, additional oil wells return to production at Kirillis and Palermo Aiki, which added 50, 50 uh, um, barrels of oil per day. Um, and also the, uh, the, the, there are, as, a, as indicated, there's significant potential for further wells to be reopened. So um, the company continued to sell uh, gas at a premium to spot rate during January. Um, and uh, um, as, as I said, in terms of its Bolivia ventures with GTL International, um, um, it, the agreement is now in place to, uh, to seek and execute energy se sector transactions in Bolivia um, as a joint venture. Um, interestingly, two, uh, two uh, major uh, league private investors, Sebastian Moore and Clive Roberts, um, declared their interest uh, and moved Sebastian Moore just under 5% and Clive Roberts just over 4% um, a, a week or so ago in January. So um, the signs are that uh, Echo Energy, you know, whilst clearly, you know, it's not without risk, uh, the company is now well-funded. It's, um, it's dealt with the... Uh, with the uh, the debt legacy that it has, um, uh, which has enabled it to uh, to to further develop the wells, increase production, and um, I think there's a very interesting year in prospect. So very much a speculative buy, but I think uh, I think there's a good opportunity here at this level. Yeah, so we're just sort of looking through the latest reports in, in, in the the first half of, of last year, and this is this is one when they recorded. Uh, a, a loss. They they were working on average prices on oil of around thirty four dollars, and you know with, with that increasing now, though, I mean that that does look quite positive from from ongoing operations. And as you said, there, Alan, there's a number 
of uh, of new projects coming coming online. I mean, but when you're looking at energy companies, Alan, it's, it's always um, one that you're you're either looking at the production side of things and you know how much revenue they're going to be um, generating going forward. Um, but this this has both in terms of it, it, it's still uh, developing projects and and looking at rolling some of those out. I mean, what, what, how what should investors be getting excited about in terms of uh, Echo Energy? Is it, is it um, maybe a continued rally in in the price of oil and and looking at the existing production there, which would then actually look the share make the share price look uh, quite cheap or or do you think some of these projects that, that are in the pipeline um, could really unlock the value in, in Echo Energy? Well, uh, there are a raft of projects across the, the Santa Cruz uh, uh, region. Um, and w- the, the demand for oil and gas is going to continue unabated. There's no doubt about that. So, But um, what I like is clearly clearly the, the company faced a challenge last year uh, when the, the oil price suddenly went into reverse. That That was a huge challenge for all supplies, but um, but um, there are many wells in that region that could be that could be unlocked, and uh, and also um, as, as the company said, they're low cost workovers. It's not going to cost a huge amount of money to bring those wells back online. So half year revenues five five and a half million dollars. Um, the company now has uh, now has a lot of cash in the bank to to uh, undertake these workovers to increase production. Plus, also, it's going to get the VAT payment back from the government too. So the company has uh, plenty of cash uh, um, uh, um, at the bank. Um, it's deferred those uh, senior note loan repayments, which are, which are crucial. Um, and it's got a chance to really ramp up and develop these assets. So the oil price, the gas price is, is I wouldn't say it's immaterial, but, um, but the demand will be there. They'll be able to sell the oil and clearly... The sales they've made in January have been above, above spot price into the market too, which is encouraging. So, um, yeah, it's, it's speculative. There's obviously risk associated with any small um, oil, oil uh, producer and explorer in this way. But um, I think you've got the prospect of increased production, which will lead to increased revenues, um, plenty of cash at the bank to undertake the workovers to increase production. And then you've got the blue sky, which, of course, is the the joint venture in Bolivia with GTL uh, International. So I think there's uh, there's an awful lot to be um, an awful lot to buy into at this level. Yes, yes. Particularly if the company's got a market cap of just eight million. Eight million. That's that's what I was going to say. There. Look, I mean, look at the chart. It's had a, it had a torrid time, but with a market cap of of eight million and the revenue they produced in the first half of of last year, they they have a bit of flexibility there. They do. So it could be yeah. quite a, quite an exciting year there for for echo so just just to recap on the the companies discussed today of course there was was echo energy um with a ticker of e c h o catanai innovation with a ticker of c t e a and cvs group with a ticker of c v s alan thank you very much for being on the podcast today thanks jonathan good to be here thanks We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.